0: Let's read some scripture this morning, and uh, this is from 1 Samuel chapter 23. We've been looking at the life of David. Uh, Let me just read the first five verses. We're actually going to be in chapter 24, but this sets a little bit of context here. Uh, So 1 Samuel 23, 1 through 5, words are on the screen. Uh, You can follow along as I read. When David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and are looting the threshing floors, he inquired of the Lord saying, should I go and attack these Philistines? The Lord answered him, go attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, here in Judah, we are afraid. How much more than if we go to Keilah against the Philistine forces? Once again, David inquired of the Lord and the Lord answered him, go down to Keilah for I'm going to give the Philistines into your hands. So David and his men went to Keilah. They fought the Philistines, carried off their livestock, and he inflicted heavy losses on the Philistines and saved the people of Keilah. Another great story about, uh, King David. A future King David. He's not quite king yet here. So let's, let's pray and we'll, uh, look at uh, David this morning. Lord, thank you for the victory that we have in Jesus. Lord, as we look around in our world and uh, we see, um, chaos and we see conflict and, Lord we see the the um events that have taken place just in the last few days with the uh the flooding in Kentucky and we pray for those families that uh, many of them who've lost um lost homes and lost loved ones and Lord we pray that you would just uh, be near and dear to them and and we pray for um, all those that are uh, there to to reach out and to help and be the hands and the feet of Jesus to those people that um, are suffering loss, Lord. We pray that this would be an opportunity to to share the gospel with um, with uh, these folks, and uh, that some people would come to know Jesus. Lord, we thank you for our, our missionary outreach at Community Bible Church. We thank you for Martin and Linda Valcarcel, uh, Lord. Many years in Spain um, ministering, and now uh, to the a Hispanic community in the southern part of the United States. Lord, uh, bless them as they continue to faithfully um, minister and share your word with uh, those that you bring in in their pathway. So, Lord, we pray your continued blessing on us now. We pray for our nation. We pray for our president. Uh, We pray for our vice president. Lord, we pray for our governor, our local leaders. Lord, uh, we thank you that... um, we can remember them in prayer, and Lord, so we pray that they would seek your guidance and your wisdom um, for the direction of our country. Lord, may we turn back to you, and we will thank you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we have been uh, looking at uh, the life of David, and so we're going to continue with uh, 1 Samuel and uh, the life of David this morning, and... Uh, Last week we were in 1 Samuel chapter 20 and uh, the relationship between Jonathan and David and that unique friendship that God uh, placed together and certainly David needed a friend in his time of crisis. The old saying is a friend in need is a friend indeed and David had his, his companion, his close friend, uh, Jonathan, who helped him in times of crisis and it was a, a relationship of mutual encouragement But um, as we kind of peruse through uh, the next few chapters, David is on the run. David is a refugee. David is a fugitive. That's been in the news uh, in the last six months with the Ukraine-Russia conflict. Let's not forget um, what's happening over there. More than ten million refugees have left Ukraine, while an estimated eight million people have been displaced in that country, um, uh, uprooted and and uh, losing everything, and uh, on the run. and And that's where we find David. David's a man on the run. There was a song written uh, Molly Hatchet, two thousand seven, entitled "Man on the Run." Uh, the words are, "I'm a man on the run, living fast, running hard, always under the gun." Yes, I'm a man on the run, and that's David. He's running from King Saul. Uh, King Saul um, has a jealous rage against David. Uh, David is this warrior. David's uh, defeated Goliath. David's won many great victories, and now the people of Israel are singing. Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. And Saul is jealous, and that jealousy leads to uh, anger, which leads to hatred. And we saw in 1 Samuel 18 and 19 that King Saul tries to kill David five times. And so David's, David's on the run, and if you remember, uh, when we looked at 1 Samuel 20, David's trying to figure out, is it, is it safe to be in the presence of, of King Saul, Jonathan? Is, is he still trying to kill me? And so they came up with this little plan, and, and the, the message was, it's not safe. And so David continues to be a man on the run. And in the succeeding uh, chapters, 21 and 22, uh, David's at Nab, David's at Gath, Philistine territory, Adullam, Mizpah, and now uh, and Moab, Mizpah in Moab, and now he's in a place called Keilah. And we just read uh, some verses about David being in, in Keilah, and he ends up in a place called Engedi. Engedi. And that's where uh, the chapter uh, opens. Let me give you a little background about uh, what Engedi looks like. Uh, one author writes, Engedi was an oasis in the deepest wilderness where there were fresh water springs, waterfalls, lush vegetation, and here's the key for David: countless caves in the rocky limestone cliffs. So there was a lot of caves in Engedi, and uh, we know that David isn't traveling by himself. David has a band of men with him. In fact, the Bible says he has 600 men with him, kind of a band of brothers, and he's on the run with these 600 men, and he comes to a place called En Gedi, uh, where there are all these caves. Um, So it's high above the Dead Sea, and En Gedi was a perfect place to hide. It provided protection, water, and a natural lookout spot where David could see for miles. So... It was a perfect hiding place for David as he's on the run, uh, literally running for his life from King Saul. And so David's in, in Gedi. And here's this, the, the next setting here. David's in a cave. And that's where the chapter uh, starts in chapter 24. Let's look at verse 1. So uh, Saul had been chasing David. He gets diverted because he goes and fights the Philistines, and now he's back. He's back on the trail of, of, of David, and it says after Saul returned from pursuing the Philistine Philistines, he was told David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took three thousand able young men from all Israel. And set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. That's quite an interesting uh picturesque name. So uh Saul hears that David's in Engeti. And he takes three thousand men, not not older older guys, but young, able men, and they're on this search now to track down uh David. Now, verse three is one of the more interesting verses in the Bible. And what I love about scripture is it just, it just, you know, doesn't gloss over stuff and it uh, talks about real life. So, um, here's, here's verse three. So King Saul, he came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there. And my translation says, and I don't know what yours says, but, and Saul went in to relieve himself. <laughs> uh, Saul's on, on this mission to find David with his 3,000 men and he's, he's coming to Engedi. There's hundreds of caves in Engedi and Saul has to go to the bathrooms. The nature calls and so, you know, there's no, there's no portagons there. There's no rest stops in these days. So King Saul finds a cave and he goes into the cave. And uh, and here uh, is what the scriptures say of the hundreds of caves that were there. Guess which one he chose. <laughs> unbeknownst to him, he chose the one where David and his men are in the very back of the cave, and and he doesn't know it. Uh, so so he's in this cave. He's he's going in there to relieve himself, and it says David and his men were far back in the cave. Oh, this gets even more interesting so um, so let 's see what happens here, and it speaks to the character of David, uh, because as we 're going to read um, david 's men tell him, uh, "Hey, uh, this is your opportunity to take out King Saul and notice how David responds so look at verse verse four, the character of David uh, remember king Saul's already tried to kill David five times. The men said, these are David's band of men. This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with him as you wish. David, here he is. God's brought King Saul to you, and you this is your opportunity to take him out. This is the opportunity to to, to kill King Saul. And by the way, you're the next anointed king, and he's brought him right into your hands. Says, then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. So David doesn't kill King Saul. It says that he sneaks up on him and he has his sword and snip, snip, snip. He takes off a little bit of, of King Saul's robe. But what happens afterward, verse 5, David was conscience stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. Um, I don't know how you are relating to David and King Saul's men, but I'm kind of with King Saul's guys here, you know, like, take him out. And David doesn't do it. He just takes that little section of his robe, and then it says his conscience bothers him. I've, I've been asked the question over the years, um, you know, the saying is, let your conscience be your guide. And I've had people ask me, it's like, is that a good thing? I mean is it good you know to let our conscience be our guide and um, here's what I'll say if your conscious conscience is tied to god's word and the truth of god's word then then yes but in the new testament it talks about the fact that our consciences can be seared uh, and, and for many people, their conscience and, and thinking is not tied to God's word. And if you let that conscience be your guide, well, then no. So, um, so. But David's conscience is—it's—it's it's, it's bothering him. He's having like remorse for Eve, for doing that. Why is that? Well, he tells us in verse six. He said to his men, "The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master." The Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack uh, Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. So what bothered David? What kept David from, from killing King Saul? He's like, no, he is the Lord's anointed. Uh, Yes, he's tried to kill me, but I am not going to touch the man who God has put in a place of leadership over uh, the nation of Israel. And uh, it looks like uh, David's men gave him some pushback here. You know, they're like, well, if you won't take care of King Saul, let us. And, And David says, no, it says he sharply rebukes him. And he would not allow them to attack King Saul. And so um, the character of David, David has such a respect for for God and for uh, the Lord's anointed that he refuses to um, take out King Saul. Well, this, get, this gets um, even more interesting here because what happens is Saul leaves the cave and as he's on his way out after leaving the cave, um, David comes out. <laughs> And they have a very interesting conversation. That's the next part of uh, the text here, the conversation between uh, David and King Saul. And uh, this is a rather long portion of Scripture, but I'm just going to read it because we need to understand uh, the interaction uh, between David and Saul. It says in verse 8, Then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, My lord the king! When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Notice the respect that David shows towards this man. The man who tried to kill him, but he's, he's respecting, um, he's respecting perhaps the position and not the person. And we can do that, can't we? We can, maybe there's some person in, in our lives that we don't, um, respect their actions and their character, but we still respect them, uh, because God's put them in a certain position and so david David is bowing down before uh before uh, the king, and he said to Saul, "Why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you this day? You have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave, and some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I could have taken your life. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord because he's what uh lower ca- lower." Case Lord L O R D because he is the uppercase L O R D as the Lord's anointed. See my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. So now he he holds it up and Saul's probably looking down like, hey, I'm I'm missing part of my garment here, and he realizes what David has has done and how close David realizes David could have taken him out. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. See, there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. David's pleading with him, saying, why are you trying to kill me? I've done nothing against you. May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evil doers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. Against whom has the king of Israel come out? Who are you pursuing, a dead dog, a flea? May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate me by delivering me from your hand. Well, there's David's speech. And King Saul uh King Saul must have been a little shook at this point in time of all that's all that's taken place, and uh, King Saul responds here, and uh, he he begins to respond back to David, verse sixteen. When David finished saying this, Saul asked, "Is that your voice, David, my son?" And he wept aloud. Uh, Saul's in tears here. He's we- he's weeping. He says, you are more righteous than I. Um, I think as we're going to see in this speech, Saul has remorse, but Saul doesn't repent. There's a, there's, there's a big difference. Because later on in 1 Samuel, he's still trying to chase David down. He's still trying to kill him. And so Saul has remorse, but there's a difference between remorse and repentance. We can feel bad about something we've done, but uh, repentance is is, is different. A repentance is, is asking God for forgiveness on a, on a vertical level and asking another person for forgiveness if we sinned against them on a horizontal level. And repentance is a, a turning, a 180 degrees of turning from sin and turning to God. Well, Saul feels bad. Saul's remorseful. Saul's crying. But Saul has not repented. And he goes on to say, you have treated me well, but I've treated you badly, verse 17. You have just now told me about the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he not? Does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you've treated me today. I know that you will surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. And so Saul gives this remorseful speech, and he recognizes that David was the next king, and he speaks words of uh, uh, gratitude that David did not take him out proverbs sixteen seven interesting verse says when a man's ways please the lord he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him when a man's ways please god when we're, when we're living for god and we're doing um, what god wants us to do proverbs says even your enemies will be at peace with you and I think here's a, here's an illustration of that verse that, that David's a righteous man and he's trying to do what's right and, and he doesn't take King Saul's life because he's the Lord's anointed. And now, uh, at least for a while, <laughs> King Saul's at peace with, with David. Well, that brings us to the conclusion of the, the chapter here and it's, uh, the, Commitment, the commitment between David and King Saul. So here's what how Saul finishes his uh, speech to David. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not kill off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. So Saul's just acknowledged to David, I know someday you're going to be king. And what was the the pattern in in, uh, these days that when someone ascended to the throne, they would kill all the relatives of the previous administration because they would be a threat to his, his new reign. And Saul's pleading for his life. And I was like, hey, when you become king, don't please be merciful to me. Please don't kill me. And it says, so David gave his oath to Saul. Then Saul returned home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. Well, that's that's the story of a man on the run. That's the story of David and his 600 band of men. And uh, they've been running now for months from King Saul. And uh, King Saul's pursuing. And uh, in this case, David does not take out Saul because he is the Lord's anointed. And in fact, he makes a promise that um, he will be kind and gracious to Saul and also to Saul's extended family. He made that promise to, to Jonathan. So let's look at some life lessons from, from 1 Samuel chapter uh, 24 in this uh, story about uh, Saul pursuing David. And the first one is really from the verses that we read in chapter 23, those first five verses that we read in our scripture reading. We really didn't look at it in the, in the storyline text, but I think it's important. Here's the first one. We must continually to seek God's guidance and direction in our lives. We must continually seek God's guidance and direction in our lives. And so here's here's uh, David. And uh, David was told the, the Philistines are fighting against Kia and looting them. And it says in uh, chapter 23, verse 2, David inquired of the Lord. He asked God, shall I go and attack those Philistines? And then later on, uh, verse 4, once again, David inquired of the Lord, uh, because the men are afraid. Um, And the Lord answered, uh, go down to Keilah, I'm going to give the Philistines into your hand. Uh, In verse 9 of chapter 23, when David learned that Saul was plotting against him, that Saul was again trying to kill him, he said to Abiathar, the priest, bring the ephod the Lord God of Israel, your servant, has heard definitely that Saul plans to come to Keilah and destroy the town on account of me. And then he begins to ask God some questions. And, and the, the ephod was part of the, the dress of the, the priest, the high priest. It symbolized the presence of God, it represented the presence of God. And David's wanting, he's wanting God's guidance and God's direction, and when we read through the life of David, when David didn't seek God's guidance, when he didn't inquire of the Lord, he got into trouble. And so David is constantly seeking God's direction. And, um, the, the principle that we need to apply is that we need to constantly seek God's direction and guidance in our life, don't we? And, um, might say, well, you know, how do how do we find that? Well, here's the the primary way is is right here, isn't it? Thy Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so when we learn and study God's Word and we know its its principles, its commands, then um, our job then is to to trust and obey. And there are a lot of things that we simply do not have to pray about. Because God's very, very clear. And so our job is just to obey. Um, We think about uh, Hebrews chapter 10. It's written to encourage believers. And it says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some are doing. But come together and what? Encourage one another. You didn't have to get up this morning and pray and say, God, should I go to church this morning? God, God wants you to, to come together with a body of believers. Um, very clear instruction in God's word about our finances. That God desires our first fruits. That God desires to honor Him, um, with, with the first fruits of our finances. There's a friend, uh, acquaintance, uh, Paul Johnson was a successful businessman in southeastern Detroit and, uh, He passed away just in the last year, but Paul, uh, was such a man of, of God and he was extremely, extremely generous with his, uh, with his finances in uh, pouring it into God's kingdom. And Paul Johnson used to say, um, this, this phrase, never resist a generous impulse. In other words, if, if you feel this, this impulse to, to give, to be generous to someone or uh, uh, some organization, um, don't resist that. It's not Satan that's tempting you to, to give, is it? No, it's that—that's God prompting you. Uh, and so uh, well, we need to seek God's guidance. And it's very—it's very clear in in the Bible that there's many things that we just need to be be doing because God tells us to do that. Um, helping the poor, helping the needy, sharing the gospel, using our spiritual gifts. Uh, so that's all very clear. But then there are also many issues where we need some wisdom here, don't we? Because the Bible's not clear on it. And that's where we need to to seek his guidance and direction. Uh, and maybe there's some principles in God's words that will will help guide us. Um issues like a uh, job, career, uh, college, uh where to live, uh schooling for our kids, uh sh- and, and should I be um single, uh is, mar- is God have marriage for me? Uh on and on and on all these things and we need to seek God's guidance and direction in in his word. Um and we need to be praying James 1:5. Ask a question, is any of you lack wisdom? Well, yes, all of us do, and so what are we to do? Let him ask of God, who gives to every man generously and so if you've got something um that you're wrestling with, um, what well, we need to be in the scriptures um we we need to be asking God, praying God for wisdom, and God will show us wisdom. I like the verse in proverbs there's safety in a multitude of counselors, and to um seek out some godly counsel, maybe from a couple of of sources to help guide us and and direct us. And so uh, David was constantly seeking God's guidance, and and we certainly um, need to do that as well in our lives. Um, Life lesson number two uh, is this. The authorities that exist, and, and what I mean by those that are in leadership positions in our in our country on a national level, state level, local level, um, the authorities that exist have been ordained by God. Therefore, we must submit, obey, and pray. I, I, I'm amazed at how David treated King David, <laughs> King David, King Saul. That when, when when he finally confronts King Saul, what's, what's David do? He, he he shows him respect. He bowed down, he's prostrated on the ground, and he respects King Saul. Um, the Bible talks a lot about the fact that those that are in positions of leadership, whether uh, it's in our workplace, in the church, or in the government, are, are placed there by God, and therefore we need to respect them and submit and obey and pray now having said that are there times for civil disobedience to disobey the government and the answer to that is certainly yes that when the bible commands us to do something that is against the clear instruction of god's word we have to be like the apostles and we have to say i'm sorry we're going to obey god rather than man and so Exodus chapter 1, uh, the Pharaoh has just given an edict in uh, uh, Exodus 1, all male Hebrew babies uh, the, to the midwives, the Jewish midwives, um, when the baby's born, if it's a girl, let it live. If it's a boy, you're to kill that boy. And here's how the Hebrew midwives responded in Exodus chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Uh, It says, The midwives, however, feared God. They feared God more than the king, the pharaoh, and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. They said, I'm sorry, pharaoh, but we answer to a higher power than you and we are not going to kill those 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 boys the apostles were told not to preach in the name of jesus and and they said the same thing i'm sorry but um we have a higher person that we answer to and we're going to obey god rather than than man so there's certainly times of of civil disobedience but romans 13 makes it very very clear that uh, God ordained authorities uh, are are there because God has placed them there, and so He says, "Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God." and um it goes on to just elaborate on that principle um consequently whoever rebels against the authorities is rebelling against what god has instituted and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves uh verse 5 therefore it is necessary to submit to the authorities and so uh, to obey obey uh, the god given authorities is what god um has asked us to do and uh, you know when when Paul wrote the book of Romans. Um, if you know who the uh, reigning uh, emperor was at that time, I think I think it was Nero, not exactly a pleasant guy. <laughs> if you know the history of uh, some of the Roman the Roman emperors, and so um, yeah, they're 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 there by God's uh, authority, and therefore we submit, obey, and pray. And so we need to pray for our our, our leaders. Well, there's a third um, uh, life lesson here, and it says the scriptures teach us to leave vengeance or revenge in God's hands. To re- leave vengeance or revenge in God's hands, and again, that was very clear from from the text that David is saying, "I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed." And uh, some of his responses uh, make very clear this this principle. Um, when he 's talking to Saul, may the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you 've done to me. There it is david says i 'm going to leave um, your future uh, into god 's hands. The Lord will avenge you, Saul, and i don 't have to seek um, i don 't have to seek revenge." And uh, that's all through Scripture, isn't it? That's, again, if you go to the the book of Romans, um, it points that out in Romans chapter 12, um, verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Uh, Verse 19, do not take revenge. That's our natural response, isn't it? When when we've been deeply hurt and deeply harmed someone, our natural human response is to uh, give them some payback. And uh, we can spend a lot of time uh, and energy trying to plot revenge, and the Bible says, don't do that. Turn them over to the God who will ultimately do justice. And so, do not take revenge. Leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. This is Deuteronomy 32, 35. He's quoting, says the Lord, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so... um, Here's the principle, leave revenge and vengeance to God. And by the way, he can take care of it much better than, than we can. And Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount, didn't he? He says, uh, you've heard it, it's been said that you're to hate your enemies. I say to you, uh, love your enemies. Uh, pray for them who uh, harm you. Um, Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44. And so um, the scriptures teach us to leave vengeance to God. And um, I would encourage you, and we have all have the experience of uh, having people that have uh, done us wrong, have deeply hurt us, and yet um, we can leave them in God's hands. Later on in 2 Samuel 16, David lived this out. and We don't have time to look at this, but this is a fascinating story. David's now the king. And he's walking along with his men along a pathway, and I'll just read a portion of it. It says, as David approached, a man from Saul's same clan as Saul's family came out from there. His name was Shimei, and he cursed as he came out. So he's cursing now. David's the king. This relative of Saul sees him, and he's, he's cursing at David. Not only is he cursing, he pelted David and all the king's officials with stones, though all the troops and the special guard were on David's right or left. Here's what here's what Shimei said to David. Get out, get out, you murderer, you scoundrel. The Lord has repaid you for the blood you shed. The Lord has given the kingdom into the hands of your son Absalom. You have come to ruin because you are a murderer. So now David's on the run from Absalom, and Shimei says, you're getting what you deserve, David. David, you're a murderer, and he's cursing him, and he's throwing stones at him. And it says that uh, the king's bodyguard guy, uh, his name was uh, Abishai, says, let me go over and take care of him. Literally, he says, let me go over and not lop off his head, this guy that's that's uh, cursing the king and calling him a murderer and throwing stones at him. And David said to Abishai and all his officials, my son, my own flesh and blood is trying to kill me, verse 11. How much more than this Benjamite? Leave him alone, let him curse, for the Lord has told him to do so. It may be that the Lord will look upon my misery and restore to me his covenant blessing instead of his curse today. Wow. That, 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 that takes some, um, restraint. That takes some belief that, uh, God is the God who is the God who's the Avenger. And uh, I don't know if, if uh, someone was calling me bad names and throwing rocks at me, I don't think I'd say, let him do it, because maybe God told him to do so. Uh, you certainly need to protect yourself, but in this case, David's saying, no, um, leave vengeance to, to God. And ultimately, um, in this story, um, King Saul dies. King Saul dies in God's timing. Wasn't David taking him out, but King Saul dies in battle. And then uh, in God's timing, David uh, rises to the throne. Lastly, and then we're, we're done here. Number four, uh, life lesson number four. God desires us to be conduits of his mercy and grace to others. God desires us to be um, conduits of his mercy and grace to other people. So um, God's been grace, shows his grace to us and his mercy to us. And what he wants us to do is to be a conduit of his grace and mercy to other people. There's a difference between a, a bucket and a pipe. A bucket just keeps everything in there. A pipe is is that what comes through flows not only through to you, but it, it flows through to others. And and uh, God wants us to be a conduit of His mercy and grace to others. And here in the end of chapter twenty four, uh, Saul's begging David, "Don't kill me!" And he makes this oath and says, uh, "You know, when I'm king, I, I'm going to show you grace and, and mercy." and uh, later on in in uh, the second samuel 9 after david's king and uh, he he had made a promise to jonathan to to care for saul's family and he's asking are there any of king saul's relatives left and if it would have been me i probably would have said take them out cuz you know that that guy tried to kill me five times but David was fulfilling an oath and a promise that he made to Jonathan that he would care for the family and so they find a young cripple boy by the name of Mephibosheth and David says bring him to, bring him to the, 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 the kingdom and, and he brings him to the king's table and he, he eats the king's food and David cares for him because he's been a conduit of God's grace and mercy to others. And that's what God wants us to do. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Be forgiving. Uh, forgiving each other. Just as in Christ God forgave you. Chapter 5 verse 1. Be imitators of God. Just as we've received God's grace. We've received God's mercy. He spared us from what we deserve. He wants us to show grace and mercy to others in our life, even those who have, in our view, done us wrong. Aren't you glad God doesn't treat us and give us what we deserve? But it's through his grace and mercy that he invites us to sit at his table and to um, someday, as we sang about gathering at the river and victory in Jesus and streets of gold, um, we're going to get to enjoy that because of what God has done for us. Well, we're going to continue through the life of David and uh David's um, David's still not out of the woods so to speak and uh, Saul kind of has a little change of heart and he continues to pursue uh David and uh and so we'll continue to uh look at that in the days to come. But I hope these lessons are helpful. Uh but we need to be seeking God's guidance. Um we need to respect uh, those that are in authority. Um, we don 't have to agree with our our leaders we don't have to agree with our president, but I think God wants us to pray for him and respect and um, let 's leave vengeance to God and let 's be a conduit of his mercy and grace let's let 's pray together. Lord, thank you for lessons that are in your word. Uh, your word says in Timothy that all Scripture is is God inspired and is profitable for uh, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, telling us how to live. And so we pray that from the life of David we would uh, learn some lessons in our lives today. Lord, um, help us to to seek your guidance. And Lord, I I pray for several here today that that are. are uh, facing decisions life is is full of decisions, Lord, may we not come to you with our plans and ask you to rubber stamp them. May we seek from your word and your direction um, from your word. may we seek godly counsel um, Lord, um, help us to uh, help us to not uh, get into revenge mode. Help us to realize that you 're the uh, true avenger that uh, someday um, justice will be done. Lord, help us to be conduits of your grace and your mercy uh, to those uh, just as we've received your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.